0: Hide your children, hide your wives, somebody better call Linda because we need somebody to listen. The Christian nationalists are coming for us all. We're gonna talk about it today on Indie Thinker. Today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. If you're looking to secure your family's financial future before Joe Biden continues to skyrocket inflation and skyrocket interest rates, well, then you need to act now. What are you waiting on? You need to go to KevinBlairTeam.com, where our friends over at Element Home Loans can help you get into a great new home or even help you refinance your new home. So not only will you be doing this with a great company that supports IndyThinker, but you'll also be doing this with a company that cares about about the things that you care about. So what are you waiting on? Go today, KevinBlairTeam.com, and let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching today. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And I appreciate the fact that you're willing to join the revolution. Uh, I get it very often, people come and say, hey, you're that Indie Thinker," and, um And then my adoring fans all want autographs and they throw their babies at me to adopt them. And I just say, listen. I've got enough troubles of my own. Uh, Jesus even said, you know, you've got enough trouble of your own. Don't grab anybody else's baby. Uh, that's not true. That's not what he said. Christians actually adopt a lot. So nonetheless, I say that to say that the, the problem with calling me the indie thinker is that the whole goal of this show is not that I am an independent thinker, but that each and every one of you are joining the revolution. You're joining the resistance. You're going over to the light. You are not joining the dark side, but you are, you're standing firm on your your desire for the truth and you won't be lied to. Now, the reason for that is not because any one person has a monopoly on the truth, but simply that we understand how quickly we can be controlled if we give up the desire to know and to be able to apprehend the truth. So we want agenda free as much as possible or agenda stated and just information that comes To us that is time tested, that has been able to stand the scrutiny of reason and rational conversation and also is willing to risk being uh, very clear with who who is speaking and why they are speaking so. I say very often, I'm a Christian conservative, and so much of what I say is going to come from that perspective. Hopefully, you will understand that I've worked very hard to create this show in such a way that I'm not just giving you a Christian perspective, but I'm telling you the truth to the best of my ability as I see it and trying to help us grapple with the ideas of our day. And I do believe that one of the cures for what we're seeing in our age right now, if you believe that there are any ailments and they seem to be aplenty, we need to be able to be the kind of people who can be well-rounded, round, well-informed, and take a multitude of different positions on different issues based in reality and reason. If we can do that, then we can be useful to the world. So the better thinkers we become, the better we can be for the world. And that's the goal of this show. So I appreciate you taking the journey with us today to do that very thing. And so today, I want to start with an illustration as we jump into the conversation of Christian nationalism. Because this term, I'll call it a slur even, is being used very often but rarely defined. And rarely um, is the term not only not defined, but it is also rarely justified with historical examples. So I want to give you a historical example. Uh, and let me roll the tape back and just say, the reason I say really given historical examples is that the slur of Christian nationalism seems really modern to me. I'm not going to say that Christian nationalism has not taken place in some shape or form uh, in the past, but what I am going to say is that the, the I guess the the idea of calling people christian nationalists today that are kind of just typical average christians um in america that slur is is pretty modern Um, and and i think i have a suspicion as to why all right so um there's a uh, going back to the 1930s there's an event called kristallnacht and some of you heard it when we were talking about january 6th because it was brought up by people like arnold schwarzenegger now um He did so at the expense of missing a really, really important point. Kristallnacht was a time in which the Nazis, uh, and this is kind of crude because there's lots of other information, but succinctly it is this. It's a time where the Nazi soldiers dressed up as commoners and then started creating riots, started pillaging, looting, and... Uh, destroying Jewish owned businesses and things in the city street. So needless to say, Kristallnacht is uh, the word for broken glass to define what the city streets looked like after all of this took place. So this was a a night of disturbance, a night of violence, where 30,000 Jewish men were rounded up and placed in prison. And it was perpetrated by the Nazis. Now, afterwards, The Jews were blamed for this, and even though the Nazis were the ones who started all of it, uh, the Jews were blamed for it, and they were asked to give not only a, uh, what is it called, an atonement, uh, or they were asked to give an atonement tax, or what might be called a reparation. So I don't know if you see any similarities already here. You you can draw all of the January 6th um, allusions that you want to. Uh, but uh, the summer of 2020 sure looks like with reparations and rioting, looting, looting pillaging and burning uh, and broken glass in the city streets, that certainly has a certain reminence to it, uh, at, least, at least it does to me. Uh, but, but I think it's important to go back to the, to the simple point that what the Nazis did was actually blame the Jews for, for what took place, even though they were the ones who, who started all of it and perpetrated all of it. This is also true of Stalin who wanted to exterminate the Kulaks. He said, Hey, they're taking all your power. They're taking all your land. They're taking all your money, which is actually Stalin by the way. Um, and he said, but we need to get rid of these guys. We need to exterminate them so that you can, we need to revolt so that you can take back what is rightfully... Yours. So this this name calling, this blame game, has been happening since the the garden when Adam says, "Hey, it wasn't me. It was this woman that you gave me." God, um, the blame game has been happening a lot, and so it's important to actually know what we're talking about and to, to define our terms. So what I would like to do today is I would like to define Christian nationalism for you myself. So I'm going to do that via. Um, a Christian, er, sorry, a nationalism scholar, a man who's written about conservative nationalism very much and would just appeared on the Ben Shapiro show. And his name is Yoram Hazzoni. Now, he comes on the Ben Shapiro show to talk about nationalism and what nationalism actually is so that we can actually understand what nationalism is all about. And the reason I bring this up is because Marjorie Taylor Greene just recently gave a speech and she started selling uh, apparel that uh, that says Christian nationalism on it, and she says I support Christian nationalism, and has said this in various terms uh, and in various different ways. And the question is, well, what does she mean by it? Now, I can't necessarily speak for her, and don't wish to, because I personally don't like her very much, and I'm not here to to try to weigh her motives. All I can do is say this: is that. Christian nationalism, if it's about white supremacy or even Christian supremacy, well, then that's clearly not a good thing. But that's not what nationalism really is. So, again, to to understand it and to really get to the heart of what's taking place uh, with nationalism to see whether we can support it or stand against it, we need to define it. So I lead you to clip number one where... Uh, Yoram will kind of discuss what conservatism actually is, because that will lead us to the conversation of what nationalism actually is. So here's that clip. If, you,
1: if your politics begins with human beings are free and equal, you know, created free and created equal by nature, and the purpose of government is to uh, defend that freedom and equality, uh, and you don't t- t- you don't receive, you don't take on any. Political obligations that you didn't consent to. If, if you're in that ballpark, then then you're a liberal. Uh, conservatives certainly do uh, cherish uh, freedom, but c- conservatives begin their politics from a different place. A conservative begins by saying, "All right, we've got this this nation or this tribe, um, and what do we need to do in order to be able to conserve it? What do we need to do to make sure that uh, that it's going to be around?" You know. Five or six generations from now, and when you begin from from that spot, then you need to start asking questions like, uh, like, uh, what holds this society together? Is it is it blowing apart, or does it need to be, become more cohesive and coherent? Or um, what exactly is it that holds us together? I I would say most conservatives would say that it's you know that that, that it's the religious and national traditions of a particular nation that that hold it together. So then you need to ask, well, what do we need to do in order to make sure that those transitions are being transmitted? Are they being transmitted in America now? And the answer is basically no. And look what you've got.
0: So as you can tell, conservativism is the understanding that we need to Preserve and to transmit past traditions in order to hold a society together. I would say this is pretty uncontroversial that you you need to be able to to have a social contract, as it were, and have a list of things at bare minimum that you can agree with. That that people deserve the right to property. That people deserve the right to liberty and freedom, and and whatever the case may be, whether it's it, it these are liberal promises or conservative promises. I would say the vast majority of conservatives are liberal in the sense that they believe in liberalism. They believe in freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and and these, these liberal freedoms that were given to us in our country's founding. And so ultimately a conservative says, hey, we need to not just reinvent the wheel, and try to reinvent the social contract with every new generation that wants to rebel against their parents and wants to rebel against the past. So let's, let's preserve some traditions and let's transmit these traditions into the present. That's ultimately all a conservative is. Now the reason I'm a Christian conservative is because I believe that the best transmission of, of past traditions is that which is found in Christian scripture. Does that mean that everybody has to believe what I believe? No, it just simply means this. I have a baseline belief that it is Christianity or the religious ethic of Christianity that has been handed out down to us through the the ages and was present in our nation's foundings undisputably. That should play a part in the conversation for what kind of social contract we should have here in America, And by the way, if we find that as we slip further and further away from these kind of Christian virtues and these Christian ideas that we're doing things like mutilating our children outside of the womb in the trans movement and mutilating children inside the womb with the abortion movement and emasculating men through the proliferation of pornography and that we might want to turn to some ethics that can hold this society together rather than to continue to destroy homes and people, Perhaps we need to find a place where time-tested wisdom can be found, and that's where we say, well, why is it a radical suggestion, since it wasn't for our founding fathers, that perhaps the Bible has some ethics and some virtues and some understanding of men made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, that we should turn to. So that's ultimately what I mean when, when I say conservatism, and so that conservatism rolls into the kind of next understanding of nationalism and the nationalism here that Yoram is just talking about is the social contract piece of things. Now he'll give you a little bit more of what that social contract looks like in this next clip. Uh,
1: John Adams, Governor Morris, who who, who basically was the draftsman of the constitution, they were much more conservative and they did focus on all you need to do is, is like read the preamble to the to, to the American Constitution. The the first thing that they think that 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 they're doing is is a more perfect union. That that's a nationalist aim. You, there's, it's not an individual aim. It's an aim of we as you know millions of people. We have a problem that 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 our union is insufficiently strong, and of course of course uh, the blessings of liberty is is there. But it's it's one of seven aims. It's not the only aim. And I think I think that's fundamentally uh, what what Americans at, at this stage need to rediscover. Uh, they they've got the individual liberty thing. It does bring blessings, but at this point, it's I mean I think it it's just it it's run out of control. I mean if if you're so far down the individual liberty path that you can't understand why pornography should not be on should 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 be. It should not be on the smartphone, you know, of every 12-year-old kid. If you can't understand that, then you're just so deep into the individual liberty thing that you just don't think there are any other values.
0: So here's a question. Has a nation create a union? How do you hold a nation together? Well, the way that you do that is through nationalism, or in other words, you hold a nation together with a shared set of values or a shared set of principles that people agree upon. So if you don't think that 12-year-olds or 9-year-olds should have open access to pornography on the city streets or every time they open their phone, or or there should be some kind of baseline laws with social media that you can't expose small children just to um, gratuitous pornography, if you at least agree with some simple principles like this, that maybe there should be some rules by which we abide in as a society, then you're going to have to ask, where do those rules come from? And the idea of individual liberty to each his own, you do you and I'll do me, is not a recipe for a very strong social contract. Of course, there is an element of that. Individual liberty is incredibly important. But there is also an element of agreeing as a people as to what a nation is and what it looks like. There can be no real nation. If there is no understanding of what the nation actually is. And so ultimately, this is where nationalism comes into play. Nationalism is nothing more than an agreement about what a nation fundamentally is. Now, agreed, we're having a harder time understanding what this is today than ever before, um, at, at least in my lifetime. But a simple look at history will reveal to you some simple things. Well, our nation was founded upon, as I alluded to before, some Christian principles like the Imago Dei. Uh, the idea that men are made in the image of God and therefore have certain inalienable rights. Wow, where have we heard that before? And where did that idea come from? Why this talk of a creator, you bunch of wannabe Christian deists? then it also was founded upon some other principles, right? Because they're coming from tyranny and from monarchy. And so our society is a republic and they wanted a democracy. And so they said, hey, well, there needs to be a balance of powers and we're going to separate the powers in a certain way because there is this understanding of a Christian idea, which is this original sin that we all have the tendency to be a little bit like an angel, but a little bit like a demon sometimes. So if If men were angels all the time, they would not need government. But because they are demons sometimes, there also needs to be powers and uh, checks on the powers of government because they themselves are men. And so this is from the Federalist. So the point is, is that... To have any kind of nation, there needs to be a, a, a recognition of an agreement. And at least the founding of our nation was founded upon Christian principles. And when you see some of the best things that happened in our nation, although there was obviously um, a, a need to put a check on individual liberty, like with slave ownership, the way that that individually, individual liberty was checked was with a nationalistic stance. And what was that nationalistic stance? Well, it was appealing to the conscience of people that, hey, you know, these people, Um, they they they're made in the image of God, and you can't you can't treat them as slaves because they're human beings just like you. And it was the second great awakening that really enlivened and imbibed the conscience of America to abolish slavery. And of course, this is true in England with William Wilberforce, who was a pastor's son and a man who radically converted to Christ and thought it was God's will for his life to abolish the slave trade and did so in England. And then we can move down to women's suffrage and even the civil rights movement in America, and we can see our Christian roots coming to back to haunt us, as it were, and to recall us to a, a moral way of living. So this is nationalism away from individual liberties. So individual liberties would have said, you keep your slaves and you, you do you, right? But that's not what we did in America. Thankfully, we appeared to a nationalistic tendency inside of, inside of the founding of this nation and inside of the hearts and minds of people which was we are built upon better stuff than that. We are built upon Christian principles. All right, I wanna show one last clip because hopefully we've, I've, we've seen where conservatism plays into nationalism and what nationalism actually is. But I wanna show one last thing because I think this is the most dishonest, ta- dishonest tactic that people are using right now when they call somebody a Christian nationalist. So here's our third and final clip.
1: They're, they're peoples, he would say, of course not. The question is what is America's role in this? And what what, americans get from the uh from from the hebrew bible is the idea of you know of being a light unto nations a you know a city on the hill a a beacon that shows the world how you can actually do things in a way that's better and other nations should copy it but 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 that's not you know that's not where we're, where we are today today we 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 have so many people who call themselves conservatives are basically Jeffersonian revolutionaries, and they say, you know, the American way of doing things is the only way of doing things. And, and if p- the nations of the world don't want to accept it, then we can impo- impose it by force. I, I, I mean, Ben, this is a crazy way of thinking. And, and, and it's brought America to a terrible, terrible place. Instead of taking care of itself, it's, a, it, 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 it's trying to take care of the world, and it's failing at both.
0: So, where does this idea that a nation can be a special place and can be founded on special principles that should be shared with the rest of the world? Well, you think about things like the fact that Jesus called his people a city on a hill and a city on a hill that should shine forth for the world to see so that when they see our good deeds, they will glorify God who is in heaven. Um, you, You think about even the fact that Gosh, there's this group of people in the Old Testament who had this really weird idea that God had called them to create a special nation that could be a place, a beacon of light for the rest of the world to come to and and know the one true God. Um, God, what were they called? Oh yeah, the Israelites. So where does this idea that a nation could be a special place and that uh, that even God can be responsible for helping? create a, a nation and helping create an, or an organization like a group of people who would form a, a, a government of sorts that would try to implement righteous laws and just laws for, for, for the purposes of creating a just and righteous land. Where does this idea come from? well it comes from the bible. And so this is the thing that I would question. If you are castigating people as Christian nationalists because they believe that Christianity is built or sorry that America is built on Christian principles and those principles should be shared with the world, then then I don't know what bible you're you're reading because it sure seems that the bible kind of kind of calls us to that. Now it is not saying that we just create a theocracy and that every criminal court case, is, is ruled because we open up a Bible and then we just read from that. And that's how we decide jurisprudence in America. This is not what Christian nationalism actually is. It's just the idea that it might be a good idea to create a society built upon robust and truthful ethics, morals, and values. And that can create a suitable society. Not that we force people into that or that we uh, make them believe the same things that we believe, but just simply that we find the best of us. And if we happen to find that it's in the scripture, then then we, we relent and against our atheism and our hatred towards Christianity and our hatred against fundamentalism. And we say, hey, we recognize that, that this Christian thing actually has some merit to it and some weight to it. And we're willing to accept those things about Christianity that are so beautiful and, and beneficial to a society. So I alluded to this earlier, but the, the thing with Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, The Insider just recently published a story, and I want to read a little bit of it to you just to, to make this one final point. Over 12,000 Christians condemned Marjorie Taylor Greene's embrace of Christian nationalism. So, Christian nationalism is unchristian and unpatriotic, a petition says that was signed by Faithful America and had 12,000 people sign it. And this is in response to Greene, who repeatedly called for the Republican Party to be one of Christian nationalism. Now, I just wanna stop right there, and I don't wanna take too much time here, but just suffice to say this. If you're starting to feel, as they dig a little bit deeper into the article and do not define anything that they're talking about, that you're starting to not identify what they mean when they say things like, they're declaring that democracy does not matter because only conservative Christians are true Americans. Now, if you're starting to wonder to yourself, who is actually saying this? The answer to that question is, not even Marjorie Taylor Greene. No, in fact, what this is really all about was just simply that Green repeatedly called for the Republican Party to be one of Christian nationalism, or uh, called it to be a party that is uh, unapologetically Christian, is actually what she was calling it to be. Did she ever once say that it should be a society where Muslims didn't feel welcome or couldn't live? No. Did she ever once say that Jews would have to be thrown in uh, internment camps. No. Now you might say that this is obviously where all of this leads, but that's the only thing you can say, right? Which is the last retreat of people who don't have a genuinely good argument because she's not saying anything of the kind, but that didn't stop people like, uh, faithful America, which we'll get to in just a moment, but it didn't stop people on Twitter, uh, from saying things like this. And this (laughs) is from Adam Kinzinger. We need to prove to people, we are the party of Christian nationalism, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. We are the party of Islamic nationalism. Taliban. I oppose the American Taliban. GOP leader? question mark. So what this person is just simply trying to say is this, is that what's the difference between Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that we need to be unapologetically Christian on the right and saying that, uh, well, we are the party of uh, Islamic nationalism or what's the difference between Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Taliban? Well, I can think of a couple things, one of which is that Marjorie Taylor Greene may own a gun, as we've seen in the past. uh, I mean, ridiculously, to be sure. But she's not going around, like, trying to round Jews up into internment camps or to make sure that women stay in burqas and that if they uh, look at a man in the eyes that they have to be stoned or punished in some way. Like, none of those things are happening, but it surely is happening to the Taliban Last I checked, Marjorie Taylor Greene is not starving millions of people in Afghanistan, but the Taliban is doing that. And last time I checked, uh, Joe Biden didn't give her millions of dollars of military equipment. So not like the Taliban at all. But the article goes on and it says this. There's no difference between this and the Taliban. We must oppose the Christian Taliban. Uh, Again, the people on Twitter and their ability to nuance ideas. They love the word nuance, but they hate to do it. Um, Their ability to to nuance ideas and not see the difference between Marjorie Taylor Greene and the Taliban is just mind-boggling. An Oregon pastor, thank God that they're finally speaking up and standing for truth, said this, that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and her Christian nationalism is a racist ideology incompatible with Christianity. So, like, I... That like there's some dumb things that Marjorie Taylor Greene has said before, and I myself personally, I'm I'm no fan, but um, but I would love for you to justify the accusation that Marjorie Taylor Greene is a racist, and uh, give me the receipts there on that one. But others will go on to say. Quote, time and time again, Representative Green has shown herself to be anti-Semitic white supremacist who opposes religious freedom for everyone but herself and her fellow right wing Christians, Faithful America said in a statement. So we've heard about Faithful America enough now. Why don't we do everybody a favor and let's go to Faithful America and see what we can find. So I went over to uh, to their YouTube page and I think this is their YouTube page and they have a total of about 65 subscribers. But they got about 15,000 signatures as of the recording of this show um, on this petition that they put out there. So, again, we've got about, oh, 170-so million Christians in America, and they've got 15,000 signatures from Christians, so you've got one megachurch to sign on. So keep up the good work, Faithful America. But Faithful America's petition says this, because I think it's important to read this. Marjorie Taylor Greene just essentially declared that America has no place for Jews, Muslims, or the LGBT community when she exclaimed, we should be Christian nationalists. The question is, is did she really mean that? Goes on to say, now she's even selling proud Christian nationalist t-shirts with an ad that says, stand against the godless left, and shows her fists violently raised. Oh, you mean like like Black Lives Matter? Fists? You mean like those fists? And this is in parentheses. So much for loving your neighbor or following the Prince of Peace. Don't you just love that? These shame tactics. Like, you cannot actually say anything uh, without being unloving. Because last time I checked, hurting people's feelings when you say stuff isn't necessarily unloving. And there is no commandment to be nice, but I digress. Christian nationalism is unchristian and unpatriotic. It is defined not as a religion, but as a political ideology that unconstitutionally and unbiblically merges Christian and American identities. How? Again, we don't know. Declaring that democracy does not matter because only conservative Christians are true Americans. In reality, America is not a Christian nation, but a nation of religious liberty and pluralism. Yet Green and her fellow Christian nationalist leaders do not care about religious freedom any more than they care about Jesus' call to love, humility, and unity. They worship false idols of power with ultimate goal of seizing all authority for themselves and those like them. Or she recognizes this. That as America has slipped further and further away from a social contract based upon biblical ethics, we've done a couple things. We've started mutilating children outside the womb in the trans movement. We've been murdering and mutilating children inside the womb in the abortion movement. We've absolutely made men eunuchs, not only through the trans movement, but also through the porn industry and the proliferation of pornography. It's spoiled homes and destroyed the nuclear family and the the institution of marriage in america where more and more homes are broken instead of having a mother and a father that are bio, that produce biological children and staying together in the home so Suffice to say, if we just merely mention the fact that Christianity is a stabilizing force for this nation, that it is one of the most powerful winds that can blow in the sail of any organization, all of a sudden that, uh, or or government, forgive me, uh, all of a sudden we become Christian nationalists who are trying to shove the Bible down everyone's throat. Perhaps we just care about this, this nation. Perhaps we just care about truly being a city on a hill. And I only say that all to say this. I have this sinking suspicion that what the label of Christian nationalism is is nothing more than a way for Christian progressives to feel better about the fact that they refuse to cry, decry the excesses of the left and the illiberalism of the left. They refuse to speak out against abortion. They refuse to speak out against those who want to tout queer theology. They refuse to speak out against the feminist movement and how it is trying to uh, trans children and, and trying to blur the lines between the amago day and what, what a man and what a woman actually is. There, there's no decrying the excesses of the left from the people who want to call out the excesses of the right. Far be it from me to, to say that there are not excesses on either side. I truly think that there are. But it's just funny to me that the only time these people want to speak up is when they want to decry uh, Republicans for, uh, you know, caring about our borders and caring about Black Lives Matter and the fact that they created millions of dollars of of damage and then calling those people white supremacists because they dare to speak up against a Marxist organization, which they say they are themselves. Forgive me if I can't help but think that Christian nationalism is nothing more than a slander that weak-minded people use to castigate evangelical Christians. Uh, Maybe because evangelical Christians dare to question progressive Christians for the fact that they're way too quick to stand up for climate justice, but not quick to stand up for the unborn. Or the fact that evangelical Christians are quick to talk about Christianizing the world and sharing the gospel as far and as wide as they possibly can, but that the left wants to call something that's clearly biblical, um, and progressive Christians want to call something that's clearly biblical just mere white colonialization. Or they want to call the fact that we have something called orthodoxy just another way to oppress people rather than the fact that the Bible teaches some really clear things that we need to believe to actually be Christians. So when Christian evangelicals point out these obvious facts, well then, the progressive Christian comes with Christian nationalist as a label just to throw at them so that they don't actually have to answer for their excesses and for their shift toward the left and far from the Bible. These Christians twist scripture And are incredibly intolerant and incredibly judgmental all while clamoring for tolerance and being judgmental with anybody that disagrees with them i say all of this just to say this that if we're ever going to return to a healthy nation we have to once again value truth we have to also once again value not just merely castigating people as our enemies and using labels to do so so at the end of the day if you think white supremacy is awesome then you're not a christian If you think January 6th was the greatest way to display democracy and that whole event was something that displayed the attitudes of Jesus effectively, then you're not a Christian. But I also can't help but say, if you think queer theology is actually a thing, and feminist theology is actually a thing, then you're twisting and perverting scripture, which is not something Christians do. But just remember, in a world of lies, the truth is considered oppressive. So... Keep on preaching it as much as you possibly can. And don't let anybody who wants to call you names stand in your way. Because the intolerant left isn't going to get more tolerant. The only thing that will make a difference is a people who have a chest and a heart and a back with a spine. So stand for truth. Guys, thanks so much for watching. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if this video was helpful to you. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reid Huberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.